Benvenuti and ciao ragazzi to the latest episode of From N to I, the podcast which gives you short blasts from SSC Napoli's past. My name is Henry Bell and I will be hosting today alongside my co-host Kirsten Schluitz. Hello Kirsten, how are you today? You know, I'm really upset right now that this is not a YouTube podcast because I feel like I'm doing a little Blair Witch and I wish y'all could see me because I have like this blue flare, a Napoli blue flare, if you will, mm. in my new glasses that's shining off. Um, found, I wish I could footage. tie that tie that into like that what we're going to be covering today, but I don't think this is like a haunting episode okay. or individual. If I, if I was a right back playing in European football in the 1970s, I would think to myself, I'm so fucking scared right now. If I saw Rude Kroll rampaging towards me. Yes, dear listeners, we are talking about, in my humble opinion, the greatest defender of all time, the Dutch sweeper and left back, Rude Kroll. How did that work as a, as a segue? Kirsten? That was very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Kroll, again, is a figure that I'm sure people listening of all ages will have heard mentioned in reference to Napoli. Again, he slightly suffers from when he played for the club. There isn't that much footage of him playing for Napoli. Um, but what we're going to do is that Kirsten's going to help me sort of fill in the historical context of what's going on. And then I'm basically just going to be very excited about him because I just absolutely love him as a player he's the second most important player to the great total football dutch side and ix side and actually when cruyff didn't turn up to the world cup in 78 i think he became the most important anyway enough of all that um so yeah i mean you can't really say rude crawl without thinking about ix and obviously napoli and ix are going to be involved with each other a bit over the coming coming few weeks uh Kirsten, how did it all begin for him? And how did it, what's his sort of legacy in Amsterdam? Well, I thought that this was really important to point out that his career with Ajax first, because when he came to Napoli and Napoli were in that kind of, uh, well, all throughout the 60s and 70s, really, it was a bit of a roller coaster, but they were definitely on a decline. So, it's essential that we understand just how great of a team that Kroll was playing with at the time. Yeah. Because he started his career with Ajax in 1968 and he didn't, you know, break into the first team for a couple of years, but still um, Ajax was and is the most successful club in the Netherlands. Currently they have 36 Eredivisie titles. Um, they're the seventh most uh, successful club in Europe in the 20th century, and they've won the European Cup 24 times, which means that they are one of only five teams who are able to both keep the trophy and to wear a little badge that's like, Haha, we are amazing. We have won this more than once, that sort of thing. So they won it four times, right? Is it four? Four times. Yeah, won yeah. it four times. So, um, and 
during this while Kroll was there, they won it three times in a row, 1971, 1972, 1973. And, but I don't want this to diminish him at all. Poor man wasn't involved with any of those finals. Oh, uh, play in the 73 final. Um, not, uh, okay. Uh, he at least was not involved in two, um, according he, to my research. I know he was not involved in 1971 when they won for the first time because he broke his leg. Yeah. And I can fairly certainly say that he was not involved in 72, but in 73, that might have been was. back when they did the double. Yeah, he was. Finals. Was he involved in both legs? He definitely played in. No, because there's only one leg for the final. Are uh, you sure? Yeah, and he definitely played because that was his year. Because you're right, absolutely, hundred percent right. That, that he was quite young and like seventy-one. He was kind of in and around the team, and then he he got injured. And in seventy-two, I think he was still coming through. But then seventy-three, he absolutely dominated the whole competition, and. I don't think they did like a player of the of the competition back then, but he'd be no. a great shout to to win it just because of his his domination. But yeah, I mean, so if we could do retroactive awards, <laughs> we'd go back. <laughs> and... Yeah, that was <laughs> and, me and... rewinding time. Everyone. <laughs> it it is important to remember that at this time, this is the Ajax of Griff. Um, It's under Michelle's, and everything is, you know, the that golden age. Um, these skins johnny rap i mean yeah wonderful 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 players please do watch some stuff on youtube everybody or go to footballia to see the whole games i mean it's beautiful even in 74 71 is that's when johan was being named the footballer of the year so this is an incredible side that he started with and they picked him up from the time that he was young and said crawl you are one of the absolute best you are coming and it was a team also that redefined what football is, what football could be. You know, we don't have Pep Guardiola without without the, the Dutch team. Um, they were famous for their pressing all around the pitch. Um, so you know, I always find it amusing when people talk about Jurgen Klopp inventing the, the Gegen press. That, you know, they were doing yeah. it in Holland in the late 60s, early 70s. But The problem also- is that YouTube doesn't have that good of of it that's true but for football i have i think almost all the european games in 70 71 71 71, 72 73 so it is worth it and the other final thing that i think is important particularly when we talk about crawl a bit later and most people will know this but some of you might not is that this positional flexibility was really important to that great ix side which was michael's and then in the um he was replaced by romanian Whose name I always forget, but he was really important. Come on, come on, Hannah's. Uh, Quick hit pause, we'll look it up. No, no, that's not how we roll. Come on, Henry. Kovacs, is it? Kovacs? Uh, That sounds very Croatian. Uh, Let me get this right. Um, But what's important is that a lot of those players in that team, Kovac, Stefan Kovac, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, and actually doesn't get enough love, actually, because he took over from, from Mikhail's and, and, and actually still won a, uh, a European Cup. But every player in that team could really play anywhere on the pitch. And when you watch 
the footage it's incredible because you see Kroll starts the game as a sweeper but then will play as a left back that actually ends up playing as a kind of really really attacking left side of forward and they sort of swap around Cruyff very hard to define where he played on the pitch he was a striker but then he would also drop massively deep he would go back to right back the defenders could swap anywhere the midfielders swapped with the fullbacks it was just a beautiful way of seeing the game and um Kroll was absolutely at the center of that um but so that was the early bits of Ajax and then Kroll um, yeah sorry I just wanted to point out that we have played Ajax before and that was before their incredible early the 1970s run in what was known as the Intercities Fair Cup which most yes. people don't think about these days because it is not technically recognized as a European football competition. So like you wouldn't see it in our stats on European football or our trophies, not that we won the trophy, but um, it was set up to promote, promote international trade fairs. And so it was pretty much by invitation only um, cities that were hosting trade fairs. And then, um, by invitation, cities that finished kind of higher up. But when Napoli played, they had finished seventh. So they were kind of like, eh, well, we guess we might invite you. We'll also invite Cagliari, Inter, Juventus. That and we did so well in this game, didn't we? Guess? Oh, that my God. Glorious game. So well. It was Ajax's only time in the tournament. It was our only time in the tournament. Um, we meet in the third round and defeat them in Naples with Pier Paolo Manservisi, who sounds like he might be a butler, but <laughs> scored, scored the winning goal there. And then, um, this is an even better name, Sayak Swart. Amazing. Scored in the 35th minute of the reverse fixture and took the game to add an extra time and then Within six minutes, Rude Sorendonk scored a hat trick. So Ajax came away with a 4-1 victory over Napoli. And you'll notice Cruyff did not score in that game, but he scored four goals in eight matches. So uh, even though that they were knocked out in the semifinals by Arsenal, Ajax were already a little bit on their way to being this incredible team that ultimately developed Kroll. And I think that's the important part for what we're going to talk about is yeah, developed they created him. Absolutely. And I think also it's also worth mentioning the, the Dutch national side, which got to the final of the 1974 World Cup and final of 78 World Cup, um, playing at this kind of total football, which is a particular kind of 4-3-3. And Kroll, again, central to all of these things. Now, a lot of the players um, across this Ajax team, a bit like these days when they got to the semis a couple of years back, they were basically picked apart by various European giants. Cruyff, as a lot of you know, ends up going to Barcelona, but the other, Niskins and Rep and these sorts of players, they all end up going elsewhere. Apart from Rue Kroll, who stays at the club for the whole of the 1970s. And then in 1979, he decides to move on with his life and um which now it, yeah. shall we 
remind people that in 1979 he actually was third place for the Ballon d'Or. So it's not like he's slacking in the world of football. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he was like, um, yeah. And even back then, defenders didn't often get nominated. I mean, you had, Be- you had Beckenbauer and stuff, but like, um, yeah. But he was the captain of the Dutch team of the 1978 World Cup, which is why he got that that Ballon d'Or. So he decides it's time to move on from Ajax and he obviously wants to go and play in Italy because that's the best place in the world. Like who, who wouldn't want to play in Italy, eh? Who wouldn't want to eat in Italy? Yeah, exactly. Um, But it's all very complicated. Like foreign players playing in Italy back then was a bit of an issue. So lots of teams came in for him. Like I think Juve, Milan, a variety of clubs. But there was some complication with the registration of foreign players. And he ends up going to Vancouver. Things changed. And then Napoli club legend Antonio Giuliano says come on mate come over to napoli it's great we'll get you on loan you come and play that for man a few was months so incredibly persuasive and charismatic it's just ridiculous sorry Indeed. i just had to add that in not crawl he... <laughs> i mean he could have been as well but yeah and those of you listening don't know that Giuliani was captain for 12 seasons absolute club legend you you, you can't ki- and he won the european championships in 1968 with with, with italy so he was Really important as a player, but incredibly important as a director. Also very involved in the signing of, of Diego Maradona. So like like me, I think Juliano thought, well, we've got a chance to sign the, the, the best defender of, of all time. And um, so we got him in on loan and then he plays, ends up staying. And they had to do a bit of a deal with, with uh, Vancouver. And who I think we got justifiably quite, quite pissed off that, that we kind of stole their player. And Kroll plays for Napoli for four seasons between 1980 and 1984. And that's the kind of context to how we've got here now. And in his first year, he wins the the league player of the year. Napoli finished third in the league. We only can see 21 goals in 30 games, which is the third best defensive record. And he plays brilliantly the next season when we finish fourth, then a bit of a wobble the next season we finished seventh um it was more to do with the attack back then so in 82 83 we only conceded 29 we only scored 22 goals that season (laughs) um so i don't think you'd really blame that on rude crawl and then he gets this really serious knee injury and then 83 84 he's not really the same player and essentially he sold to make way for the wages of a certain Diego Armando Maradona, which he sort of reflects on in quite a philosophical way, thinking, fair enough, mate, you know. <laughs> I mean, if I was going to, he, he, he loved the city, he wanted to stay, but he thought, if I'm going to go for anybody, I might as well go for Maradona. And for me, it's a bit, and not just me, but I think for a lot of people, it's such a shame that the, the best forward of all time never got to play alongside the best defender of all time for Napoli. They, they were like ships passing in the night. Um, I think you really need to read that quote that you've written down here, though, about his affection for Naples. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Kroll, as anyone knows anyone of a certain age from Naples, just gets so much affection from the population. But it was a two-way street. So Kroll 
in an interview that he did with a it's, a, it's a good blog article that you can look up actually. He says that this, this city really grabs me by the throat and it never let me go. So this was an interview that he did, um, uh, you know, to when he was back at the club during the Sari era and he was, you know, he was heralded a hero. In fact, Sari told him that you're a Napoli hero, you're, you're, you're a hero. So he wasn't just one of these, he wasn't just like a mercenary foreign player at the end of his career turning up for a last paycheck. Like he really immersed himself in the culture and the feeling of the city. And the city, and I, yeah, paid him back. I was going to say, I, I think that that's really important to note because you can be just reading about dry articles about Napoli history and come across his name on Wikipedia or whatever, and you won't see it reflected that he was actually passionate about this club and what he did while he was here and that he loved the city and loved Napoli. So I think it's important to just pause for a moment and be like, yeah, he was not just somebody flitting in from Canada and then going back. Didn't he go on to play like one more season somewhere he played for can i believe for a couple of years and nothing nothing much happened but yeah i mean like in 1980 there was a big horrible earthquake that happened in naples and he went into the city to help out and stuff so like he's yeah absolutely here i think i just want to talk a little bit about him as a as a player so he's only scored one goal for napoli over um four seasons so again, it's hard to see um, footage, but you can see that goal on YouTube. And I think it, it sort of tells you everything that you need to know. I've seen a lot of his, his action for, for Ajax and Holland, mostly through the COVID lockdown. And I just, there was no football on. So I was like, I'm just got to watch the best teams of all time. And, um, but the goal, he scored his only goal against Brescia in his first season. And it's, it does tell his story. Like, it's just so not what you'd expect from a defender. Like, he beats the, the guy at the edge of the box and then scores with, like, the outside of his right foot. It's, like, a super classy finish that you'd expect from a sort of number 10, not from a number 5. And he very much was a number 5, even though back then the number 5 went to the man marker and number 6 went to the sweeper, the libero. But he insisted on the, on the number 5 which I think is quite cool as well. But yeah, I mean... Well, I, think, I think it might go back to the whole Ajax total football thing as well. Like, numbers don't define me. I will play wherever yeah. it is I want to play and I will do it well. Yeah, absolutely. And that is him in a nutshell. And I think when he was playing for, for Napoli, he was he's pretty much... I mean, his career stats going to transfer marks. He's 240 games as a left-back and 160 as a sweeper in terms of where he started on the pitch. And I think that does sum him up as a player in that he kind of mastered two positions. You know, he was the best. You know, he was he won player of the year playing as a sweeper in Italy in 1980-81, which was a really good period for that position. You know, he was part of the greatest, he was the left back really in the greatest team of all time. How many players can you say have mastered, I mean, him and Maldini really go toe to toe because, you know, you could say that Maldini's best performance for Italy came at centre back during Euro two thousand, and obviously he was a wonderful left back as well. Anyway, that debates for for another podcast. But really, for Napoli, he was playing as this kind of quarterback figure, 
at the back and the footage that you can see is wonderful and it really matches some of the way that he used to play but just because he's a bit older he doesn't quite have the legs for it and he'd bring the ball out from the back or he'd do these incredible sort of 40 50 yard passes that would be absolutely precise and a lot of people also talk about his tactical influence that he would be really obviously with his, his upbringing his training really help the players understand the kind of flexibility of of football um so I think it was a real treat for Napoli fans to see someone and please do even if you watch two minutes of, of his, him playing on, on YouTube someone who's just so gifted just it's you know we saw it obviously with Maradona but talent wise they're not a million miles away in some ways Kral was kind of the Maradona of the defenders if that makes sense the way that he and if you want to watch a great match of his, maybe head back to the 1973 European Cup campaign for Ajax and you see his performance against Real Madrid where he scores a free kick from outside the box, which is amazing, or his performance against Bayern. They beat Bayern Munich 4-0 and it was a great Bayern team that had you know, Gert Müller in it and Franz Beckenbauer. You see someone playing the game a bit like Maradona in the sense that it's like, okay, there's just rules about how to play and I'm not going to listen to those rules. I'm going to play in my way. And there's just the ball sticks to his feet in, a, in such an, an amazing way. And he's playing as a sweeper and as a left back. Anyway, so I think that for, and as, you've, as we've said on the show before, Napoli have been, you know, in, in the 60s and 70s, a bit of an up and down club. Um, and I think those first couple of seasons, the opportunity for everyone at the San Paolo just to see this genius work as magic, who really cared about the city must have just been incredible. Again, born into the wrong era, aren't I? You definitely were. You were born at least a decade too late <sighs> to really oh, wow. appreciate everything. And I think <sighs> next time. Hey, next time. Yeah, if if we believe in that stuff, why not? Let's let, let's hedge our bets. But the last thing about him is that in the last season, Napoli nearly got relegated. I think they finished two spots above it. That was the Napoli that that Maradona arrived into but I think the fact that Kroll Kroll's knee injury had basically stopped him being that really top top flight player that's the reason I think Napoli just sunk because they were very very reliant on his not just his footballing talent but his technical tactical brain on the pitch and yeah that tells its own story I think uh yeah so like that um, answered the question that i wanted to ask you about his okay. contribution um but let's what do you think you mentioned all that or or do you need another hour to go on for cruel i mean i could talk about, the other thing there's a really good picture of him ah yeah see have you seen the one when he's got he's like chest out Napoli shirt and it's the one with the donkeys on and he also looks yes. smoking hot he's got his like, I want that kit so badly or a poster of him doing that and he looks like a leader but he also looks like a rock star and like <laughs> it's so like those Dutch players of the 70s were like that they were non-conformist they did what they wanted um such a good fit for for Naples so anyway my last thought is just look him up whether he's playing for Ajax or he's playing for Napoli it will fill your heart with joy um unless this podcast is released after we play Ajax and you know 
Napoli fail in some way, then we might be a little sad if you watch him playing for Ajax and yeah. That's true. But let's not let's not worry about that. Well, let's worry about that a bit, hopefully. But yeah, anyway. Well, Kirsten, I think should we wrap this up now? Is there anything else you want to say about Kroll? Nothing except echoing Henry with the whole look up that picture because you'll want to put it on your wall as well. Well, yeah, make it your, your backdrop on your phone. And uh, did, did, does he feature in your book at all, Kroll? Not enough because, again, like our previous podcast with Kane, um, just not a lot out there for watching him or even outside of his IX days to put into the right context for Napoli. So he's there, but at the same time, these years were kind of, again, up and down, so they don't get covered a whole I think lot, he's, unfortunately. Yeah, the book I mean, could have been twice as long if I... I, mean, I don't know how you even managed to fit it. I mean, God knows. But um, yeah, I think we're due another English language interview with Kroll to talk about Napoli. So there's this one blog site, which is worth a look, actually. But that was done like five years ago. So I think it'd be great to somebody, maybe we can sit down and say, tell us about Napoli one day. I don't think I... Kroll, beca- come on our podcast. Come on. Rudy, come on, Rudy. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much for listening. If you want to find where we exist on the internet, head to at Far From Vesuvius. This is one of three podcasts that come out of that network. We also have uh, Kento Freddy's uh, Coffee with Ken on Twitch on a Saturday morning. Please do go and join Ken for those. Um, so thank you for listening to From N to I and Forza Napoli. Sempre. Sempre.